0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you've joined us on the program today. Coming up in a matter of moments, we're going to be talking with Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation, attorney and Second Amendment specialist, over there at uh, Heritage. Yeah, we're going to keep the conversation going about the uh, Supreme Court accepting New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett. Uh, we spoke yesterday on the program with Tom King, head of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, uh, just a couple of hours after the court had granted cert in this case. But I want to talk with Amy about some of the lingering questions around the court's decision uh, for why Why did they take so long? I mean, they, they relisted this case for, for this was, the, I think, the fourth relist. Before they granted cert, why did they change the question that was presented? Uh, The plaintiffs asking the question, does the Second Amendment protect a right to carry a firearm outside of the home in self-defense? And the court decided, well, actually, that's not the question we're going to answer. We're going to we're going to tweak that question a little bit. Okay, what's going on with this? Now, look, I wish that Amy had the inside skinny, that she had connections and she was talking to justices uh, and their clerks. That's not the case. But what Amy does have, uh, I think, is a very sharp legal mind uh, and some pretty good uh, working theories as to uh, what might be at play here. So uh, we don't know for certain why these things happen, but uh, we can explore the possibilities in our conversation. That's exactly what we're going to do. Take a look and a listen. Amy Swears, thank you so much for coming on the program. So good talking with you today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Always,
0: uh, always great to be on with you. Well, and, and again, it's, it's good to be talking about uh, some good news for once and not, you know, Biden's executive orders or uh, the gun control bills passing out of the House of Representatives. Uh, now we get to talk about the Supreme Court accepting a case dealing with the right to carry. But I, w- I want to get into this with you because, you know, obviously there are a lot of folks out there who are still, let's say, skeptical uh, that the court yeah. is, is going to... Uh, save or secure the Second Amendment. You know, we saw last year the court uh, allowed New York City to moot a, a challenge to, uh, to its gun control laws. Uh, we saw the Supreme Court. This is before Amy Coney Barrett was on the bench, to be fair. But but we still saw the court, you know, hold on to almost a dozen Second Amendment cases for weeks and weeks and weeks, raising our hopes, and then they denied it's certain totally all of them. All of
1: them, yeah. Right.
0: So there was this expectation, I think, um, as we saw the court hold on to New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett for several weeks. Uh Oh, God, they're going to do it again. No. Yesterday, they grant cert. Um, So first of all, let's just start there. I mean, what was you know, what is your take on the fact that the court did accept this case when they've turned away? Some other significant challenges this year, particularly to uh, to prohibited persons. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, yesterday, they turned away another challenge to a gentleman who was 17 when he was involuntarily yeah. committed to a mental institution. Yeah. He has had his rights restored by the state of Washington, but he can't get his federal rights restored. This, to me, seems like it would be a, a, you know, a pretty good challenge, but the court turned that case away as well.
1: Yeah, um, you know it's funny. I Actually, remember probably about a, a year ago was when we, we were sitting here talking about man, they they just dismissed or d- denied all of these cases. I can't I can't wait for us to have you know a conversation where it's a happy grant and you know a year later <sighs> here we are finally. Um, you know, but but I, it's not shocking to me that there are some still some some hesitations. Uh, And and some sort of naysayers out there who are skeptical of of what the court's going to do here, Um, precisely for some of the reasons you you mentioned. I I mean, yes, we have a changed dynamic in the court. Uh, We we have a new justice in in Justice Barrett, who I I think has given us a a fifth solid uh, Second Amendment justice, um, at least based on some of her earlier opinions. Um, but there were just some weird things with this case. I mean, you, you had it being relisted several times instead of taken right away. Um, even with the, the grant uh earlier this week, you know, that there was some changing of the language to the, the question that they were actually going to, to decide on. Um so there there were some weird anomalies, you know, who who knows what those could be. I think at the end of the day, the court did what The the next step had to be. I I mean, realistically, the Second Amendment framework is so uh, minimal right now. Um, You know, between Heller and McDonald, I think realistically, the next step to building that out had to be a public carry case or some sort of, you know, assault weapons ban case dealing with the the types of firearms that are protected. Um, So it was was a weird way of getting here. It was a long way of getting here. Um, But I, I think, you know, given the change dynamics of the court, here is where here had to be, if that makes sense. I, I think this was always going to be the next issue for the court. Um, you know, and, and even just given the facts of this case, I think this is a much harder case to, to moot out, you know, to find ways to get rid of if you're the state. Um, you know, So I think there's a much better chance of this one sticking. And I, I think there's a much better chance of of getting at least five justices.
0: Okay, I want to talk about the moodness issue, but before we do that, I want to go back to something that you just mentioned, and that's the fact that the, the court reworded the question that, yep. that is is being addressed here. So, And I'm going off of memory, but uh, in, in essence, the, the question that was posed by the plaintiffs is whether or not the Second Amendment protects the right to carry a farm for self-defense outside of the home, right? right? And the court said, well, we're going to actually uh, uh, answer the question of whether or not these individuals... Uh, had their Second Amendment rights violated by having their their applications to uh, to get a carry permit denied in New right. York state. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that it's, it's a little weird because it's it's not quite the question that was presented by by the petitioners, um, you know, there, there have been a lot of hot takes over what might be there I think one of the best analysis analyses because there, there are multiple that I've seen is actually from uh, professor professor Josh Blackman um, who I think uh, he had written an article with reason um, you know there, there might be some uh, some some underlying reasons for that you know whether the court not to get too technical here but maybe the court wanted to turn this into an as applied challenge because they want to strike down this per- particular, you know, carry uh, framework in New York, but maybe they want to leave open that there are other may issue states that, you know, might have uh, workable constitutional frameworks. So so maybe they want to do that. Maybe they thought, uh, you know, there's a theory that, you know, maybe they wanted to allow it uh, as an as applied challenge so that New York could moot the case by granting these petitioners concealed carry permits and and just sort of getting rid of it. you know, th- there's also some theories that by changing the wording a little bit, um, you know, maybe there's a possibility or, or at least some of the justices thought there was a possibility of bringing in uh, like a, a Justice Kagan onto the issue, maybe getting a seven justice majority there by by limiting it. Um, you know, but it, at the end of the day, it's it's a it, it's really a shoulder shrug. Who knows? Um, you know, we we have a case that seems very primed to at least start answering these basic questions.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, and so here's my pet theory, by the way, if you want it. Uh, I'm not a learned legal scholar like Josh Blackman, but I remember reading the state of New York's response to the cert petition. And one of the arguments that the state of New York had made is that, look, there really isn't a conflict uh, between the various circuit courts. All of the circuit courts have agreed that there's a right to carry outside of the home uh, it's just that uh, the various courts have have differed as to what sort of uh, uh, powers the the state government has to uh, interfere with that right in the name of public safety um, and so I wonder if the court isn't saying, all right, well, we're not, you know, if the court isn't going to actually try to use that, that sort of argument or that logic of look, you know, all of the courts agree that in theory, there's a right to bear arms and self-defense. We're looking at these specific cases uh, to see whether or not New York's uh, denial for these individuals violates that Second Amendment right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's certainly interesting, though. I don't know, I mean, for, for listeners who may or may not have you know, been paying attention, I don't know how well that stands up in light of the Ninth Circuit in, in Young v. Hawaii, where now they've essentially said, no, actually, you don't have a right to carry outside the home in any capacity. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, hypothetical. Um, I, I don't know that we'll ever know the reason for it. I mean, may, maybe we learn uh, later on as, as the court, once we get an opinion, you know, maybe we start saying, okay, maybe that's why they did it. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, despite, you know, again, just despite all of these, I, I think well founded uh propensities to, to be sort of naysayers here and be like, oh, they're gonna find a way to, to get rid of this. Um, you know, they they did take the next big step, um, which is to take a meaningful carry case. And uh, you know, I, I have to be excited about that.
0: Absolutely. Well, look, and we still have Young versus Hawaii out there. Yep. I mean that that's the other thing is that um you know, the the court could still accept Young versus Hawaii when it gets uh, uh, up to the Supreme Court uh, in conference, uh, mm-hmm. which probably won't be for a few months. But um, that, that case is is still alive. Uh, and, you know, the court could I'm very I'm actually kind of curious to see what the court does with that, because the Ninth Circuit decision was so egregiously bad. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is there maybe a two step process that uh, some of these justices are working on again, all hypothetical at the moment? Um, but, you know, so, so let's talk about the idea that, well, maybe New York could moot in this case, as yeah. they did the uh, the challenge to to the New York City gun law last year, as you say, for the state to go back and retroactively approve these individuals after denying them, um, I mean that would be, I think, a a clear abuse of the system, and to me yeah. that would be a, a, just another indication about why this law needs to be changed because it allows for abuses to take place. I mean that that ultimately is. You know the the big question confronted these justices is: Does this system in New York, which by the way has led to licensing scandals yep. in the New York Police Department, uh, as well as the denial of uh, you know law abiding, responsible gun owners to be able to uh, together get their license to carry, is this uh, again an infringement on the right to keep and bear arms? And if the state can can go back and say, well, you know what, we we made a mistake, but now you get to carry a gun. I would argue that absolutely this is a demonstration that this is an abusive system. It's
1: it's, it's entirely arbitrary and capricious. I I mean, so one, you look at the the actual petitioners in this case, you have two individuals, um, at least two individuals who uh, are incredibly responsible. Years and years of training, they've done uh, the classroom work. Um, You know, they've almost gone out of their way in the state of New York to say, look, we are responsible, law-abiding citizens. We will jump through any hoops that you put in front of us. Just give us the opportunity. And the state of New York here did uh, what it has done in the vast majority of these instances, um, which is – and I'm paraphrasing here from uh, Rob Romano. If you're not following him on Twitter, uh, 2A Auto Updates – um, you know he, he'll go through some of these, and the way he always phrases them is the state of New York saying, "Well, have you tried being robbed more frequently? You know, have you, have you tried being a victim of crime uh, more often? Um, because if not, well, you know, sorry, uh, you, you know." And, and I think that at its core is, is the problem uh, is that they're not even looking at things like is like training. But, you know, is this person trained? Is this a public safety issue? They're, they're breaking it down to, "Well, are you actually in danger?" You know, we're going to make the decision as to whether you're just, you know, so in need of a gun uh, in in public, and not, you know, are are you a prepared, responsible gun owner? And it's so arbitrary. Um, you know, it, it lends itself to, uh, as as you've talked about it, it lends itself to just complete scandals. You know, people just being able to pay off um, uh, officials in order to get these licenses, and it also lends itself to disproportionately impacting, uh, frankly, poor people of color. Um, you know, you, you look at whether it's L.A. County, whether it's New York, overwhelmingly, the people who get these permits are rich, white, well-connected individuals. Um, you know, sometimes a lot of donors for the, the county sheriffs. Um, and so it's just so ripe for abuse. Um, you know, so I, it would be funny to see them try to go back and moot it that way, because I think you're right that it plays exactly into the legal hand of you guys never cared about any you know rational cutoff. For public safety, this was always about just the state having the power to say, "No, no, no, pay us enough money or beg us to come exercise your privilege yeah,
0: absolutely you know and and you you make a point that uh I actually wrote a piece about this yesterday um the left should be opposed to these laws too. Whether they realize this or not, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to gun control organizations trying to explain to their allies on the left that, yes, uh, policing is systemically racist and, yes, we need to reimagine policing, but... We also need to make sure the police have sweeping authority to decide who gets permission to carry a gun, wow. because they're totally not going to be abusive or racist yeah. and discriminatory in that fashion. Which is the argument that gun control advocates are making, right? On the one hand, you've got these groups that are proclaiming uh, gun violence is police violence, uh, and they're you know they're they're leading into the reimagined policing movement. But at the same time, gun control as we know it—I'm not talking about violence prevention yeah. programs. I'm talking about gun control relies on creating new crimes out of thin air that are enforced by armed agents of the state. Uh, and this is a system in place in New York that gives incredible power and authority to the very same law enforcement agencies that the left wants to, quote unquote, reform.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's not just how in practice it works. I mean, we're talking about a history uh, of, of racist, gun control laws, specifically with rights to carry. And so it's always interesting to me to to see uh, these gun control advocates or or states who are defending these laws, you know, bring up these, oh, well, you know, such and such a state had a concealed carry permit law way back in 18, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. And what they don't tell you is, okay, one, they also permitted open carry, uh, not, you know, needed a permit, but authorized open carry without a permit. And then two, when they started putting these laws into place, overwhelmingly, it was so that uh, they could have the authority to say, oh, well, I see that you are not a white person, um, so you will not be getting this permit. Uh, that overwhelmingly, the, the racist undertones of these laws is still there, I think, in practice today in, in what we see just demographically who does not doesn't get a permit.
0: Absolutely. So, all right. So, um, I you know I'm trying to think of some of the the questions and comments that I heard. I did have somebody uh, say, "All right, well, you know, if the, if the court was really serious about this, why are they waiting until the fall uh, to hear oral arguments? That's just a matter of the schedule, right?"
1: Yeah. Um, so th- this is pretty late in the term. I mean, theoretically, they could try to throw something into the the schedule, um, but it's it's already the end of April. I, I mean, they. Um, you know, by, by the end of May or June is when they already have all of their opinions out from, from all of the oral arguments from this term. Um, so you're just running up on some, some pretty standard deadlines. Um, and especially given that, you know, you, you look at some of the the opinions in lower courts on the same issue, they're coming out to like 100 page majority opinions, mm. um, you know, and, and then 100 page dissenting uh, opinions. And I, I just think, for a case of this magnitude, at this point, it makes sense. Um, and, and maybe that, that was part of the, the reason they kept relisting it, was thinking, well, you know, if, if we take it later, then, you know, it's very clear it goes next term and we don't have to squeeze it into this term. Um, so so who knows? Um, but yeah, that, that's not something I would be too concerned with, is, is that they're, you know, waiting on it or something of that
0: so, so, So if the oral arguments are held, let's say, early in the fall... When do you think we might reasonably expect yeah. a decision in this case?
1: Um, so th- this is where you start getting into the fun game of <laughs> nobody knows uh, when the, 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 the opinions will come out in, in any given uh, term. Um, so realistically, the latest you're going to see it is going to be the last day of the term, um, which is somewhere around end of May, end of June 2022. Um, that being said, you know, if they, if they list it for early in the fall, um, you know, you, you could see it by, um, er, early winter of, of 2022. Um, again, a, a case of this magnitude where it's, it's, you're going to have split opinions. You're not going to have, you know, a, a nine justice per curiam opinion, um, where they all agree. Um, I, I just don't see it coming out before 2022. Um but again that's that's not unique to this case or a case of this magnitude. It's it's not something I would try to read the tea leaves with, be like, oh they you know they're they're holding on to it, they're delaying it. Um you know, at, at this point we've waited thirteen years since Heller. I you know, I I think yes it hurts to wait another year, but at least we know it's coming. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, and there are some other cases. You know, the the court has uh, now got New Jersey's magazine ban, a legal challenge to that ban, uh, which is going up in conference, I believe, this Friday for the first time. Uh, and then I mentioned Young versus Hawaii, that, that, that egregiously awful decision by the Ninth Circuit uh, that taken with Peruta uh, versus San Diego, the Ninth Circuit has declared that there is no right to bear arms right. protected by the Second Amendment. I'm still curious. I, re- I realize this is just your opinion. You've got you know no special insight into the mind of any of the justices on the court. But do you think that now that they've taken the New York carry case, do you think they just let that go, or do you think that they still have the potential of taking that Ninth Circuit case, given just how awful that opinion was?
1: Well, I think realistically, and you saw this um, similarly sort of after Masterpiece Cake Shop, where if you remember, there were a lot of similar types of First Amendment uh, issues, um, where where what they'll do is, you know, they'll have their core case, which in in this case is the New York State um, rifle and pistol case. um, And they'll just sort of hold on to all of the other ones pending the decision in the New York State uh, rifle and pistol and then I would imagine that, you know, wh- whenever that opinion comes out, which, you know, we, we both hope and think should appropriately be that this sort of may issue, um, good cause requirement uh, is, is impermissible, that there is some right to carry outside the home. I would imagine you'll see, um, what are called, uh, a lot of people refer to them as GBRs. Um, so they'll grant the case, vacate the opinion and remand it to the Ninth Circuit, basically saying, you done messed up. See our opinion in this recent Second Amendment case. Fix it, um, and and then theoretically, you know, the, the Ninth Circuit should reevaluate that case and say yes, you know, whatever the, there is a right. Hawaii, fix this, and, and order Hawaii to, to fix it. Um, sometimes that doesn't work. You know, that it, it, theoretically, you could still see the, the Ninth Circuit a year or two years from now saying no. We we still think even in light of this recent Second Amendment case that this is still permissible, and then the Supreme Court might have to slap that down again. Um, but that, that's more realistically what I would expect. I, I wouldn't expect them to take both of those cases or combine them. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear cut in New York that they can just take the rest of these carry cases after that opinion and say, Look, see our opinion, fix it, do the right thing.
0: So even with the um the revised question the, the sort of you know slightly narrower focus you think that the the court still has the opportunity to to issue an opinion that will impact more than just the New York carry laws
1: I, I would imagine so especially because this would be the first time that the court is dealing with uh the right to carry outside the home that there will be some aspects of that opinion um that so heavily touch on uh, on the right you know it would be above and beyond just saying no these you know, four plaintiffs, these four individuals had a right, um, you know, you have to grant it to them. I would imagine that the, the broader scope of the opinion would be enough um, in, in the way that they flesh out why those individuals have that right, that they, they there would be enough there to essentially send Young B. Hawaii back to the Ninth Circuit to say, look, see what we said, <laughs> you know, don't make us come back here. Um you know and and maybe the ninth circuit doesn't take the hint maybe they do but i i think realistically that's that's generally how the court handles these types of
0: issues all right fingers crossed amy swear listen i appreciate your insight and your expertise thank you so much for coming on the show today it's always good talking with you
1: and I thank you so much for having me and and hopefully we're we're back in the future talking about the the great opinion that came out in the carry cases
0: <laughs> absolutely i appreciate amy joining us on the program and uh yeah we'll be talking with her again i'm sure well before uh, oral arguments are held in uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Coral. Something's some things going to come up here, whether it's Biden's executive orders, whether it's new gun control legislation uh, in Congress, maybe even some pro-gun legislation in uh, Congress. But right now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. And what a doozy this one is. Ypsilanti, Michigan, boot camp and probation ordered for a man accused of repeatedly shooting at a home in Ypsilanti Township. That's right. Gun control activists believe that you and I and other legal gun owners should go to federal prison for a year for transferring a firearm to our neighbor or our best friend without putting them through a background check. Meanwhile, you've got violent criminals who are repeatedly shooting at homes, and the sentence, come here, hold out your hand, don't do that again, unbelievable, Martez uh, Adarian Marnay Ayers, sentenced yesterday to three years of probation in boot camp in the Michigan Department of Corrections, in a string of drive-by shootings last summer, the 22-year-old pleaded no contest back in February to four felony counts associated with a rash of shootings that erupted September 1st through the 3rd in Ypsilanti Township. He pleaded no. Nope. Are you ready for this? God, It's bad enough, by the way, that this jackass gets probation for shooting at a house. But here are the actual charges he pled guilty to. discharging a firearm, enter out a building. Discharging a firearm from a vehicle, possession of a firearm by a felon, and possession of ammunition by a felon. If this case had been referred to federal court, Ayers would be looking at a minimum of five years in federal prison with no early release. Well, early release after 85% of his sentence has been served. Instead, he's not going to prison at all. This is amazing. His sentencing was handed down by Washtenaw County Trial Judge Carol Kunki, who was a filling in for assigned Judge Patrick Conlin. It was delayed several weeks while the court confirmed that boot camp was an option and available. The charges stem from 10 shooting incidents over a three-day period, primarily targeting one home. During one of the incidents, a 19-year-old man sitting on the front porch of the home was shot in the leg. But again, none of that matters. To the criminal justice system. Because Ayers is going to have to go to boot camp. And he's going to get three years probation. Oh, oh, and the, the, the most, uh, the, the toughest part of his sentence, 25 hours of community service. Yeah. Ayers, by the way, credit for 230 days to served in jail as he was awaiting trial. That's the only time he's going to do. But yeah, let's talk about, Governor Whitmer, why we need more gun control. Let's, let's talk about banning legal gun owners from possessing firearms in the state capitol. Let's talk about all of these non-issues in the state of Michigan so that we don't have to talk about Martez Adarian Marday Ayers and his BS sentence for shooting someone and shooting at a home 10 different times over a three-day period. Unreal. Unreal. And by the way, Local news story, right? Cases like his, never going to show up in the national news. Why? Well, for one thing, there are too many of them for the national news to cover. Because that is what happens in our criminal justice system day in and day out. Even if you don't like guns, even if you hate the Second Amendment, the idea that slapping another gun control on the books is got to fix things, you're insane if you think that that's the case. All right, turning our attention to our uh, armed citizen story from Ashtabula County, Ohio, where a a homeowner shot a 26-year-old armed robber in the chest. We'll not be facing any charges for that because it was a a justified shooting. Sheriff William Neamey said that the deputies were called out on uh, Thursday evening just before 8 p.m. for uh, reports of a shooting. Uh, Preliminary investigation determined that the man and two other individuals, the man who was shot, two other individuals went to the home to retrieve some property. The man went into the home with a gun and demanded his property. A short time later, witnesses who stayed outside heard a series of gunshots before the man ran out with his hand on his stomach. sheriff said investigators believe the man fired at the homeowner before he was shot. Uh, according to the sheriff, the last report the man listed in uh, critical condition his stable is expected to recover. Uh, this would appear to be a clear-cut case of self-defense. Even if you have a property dispute, probably the worst way to handle it is to grab a gun and then try to break into somebody's home to get your stuff back but that appears to be the, uh, at least the the attempted justification. We don't even know whether or not the individual's property was actually inside that home, just that that was the uh, reasoning he used to engage in the home invasion. Uh, and finally today, our good deed of the day from Avon, Minnesota, where the uh, local police chief, uh, in the right place, at the right time, willing to do the right thing to uh, help save a man and his property from a fire. This was uh, last Thursday afternoon, about 1.30 in the afternoon. Avon Police Chief Corey Nellis on patrol when he saw black smoke coming from an area south of town. So he decided to uh, investigate. He's also, by the way, a volunteer firefighter. Uh, Found a a fire in a wooded area and he could hear somebody yelling for help when he got out of a squad car. James Dean, 73-year-old who owns the property, was laying there on the ground. The ground around him was actually on fire. Uh, The chief ended up calling uh, the county dispatch for help. He was not able to get to uh, James Dean on his own. Uh, within a, a short period of time, the Stearns County Sheriff's Office, Avon Police Department, Minnesota State Patrol, Avon Fire, Albany Fire Departments all arrived. Uh, Dean was rescued from that blaze, taken to a St. Cloud Hospital with burns to his legs and arms. Dean uh, told authorities this was supposed to be a controlled burn, basically. He had you know gathered up a, a small pile of sticks, lost control of it. There's a, a storage trailer that was severely damaged, along with minor damage to Dean's home. Several acres uh, also burned, but thankfully, again, Dean is going to recover uh, thanks to the uh, quick response of uh, Corey Nellis, the police chief there in uh, Avon, Minnesota. So in the right place at the right time, willing to do the right thing. We thank you, sir, for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Berrien Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you as well. If you are a VIP subscriber to BerrienArms.com, I certainly do appreciate it. If you're not yet a VIP subscriber, well, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, you can just go to BerrienArms.com slash subscribe. You can use the code GUNS and get 25% off of your membership. It's going to give you exclusive access to uh, uh, columns, commentary, analysis, live chats, and more. Uh, And it also helps support us doing the work that we do each and every day uh, to bring you the latest Second Amendment news and information, as well as to fight for our right to keep and bear arms. So thank you again for your support. If you are a new subscriber, if you are a continued subscriber. I really do appreciate it. Also want to let you know that uh, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss one of these programs. Or you can go to Rumble.com, look for Bearing Arms Cam and Company. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TownHall.com podcast page. We, We do try to make it easy for you to find the program. We certainly do appreciate you watching, listening, and spreading the word. We will be back tomorrow. But until then, be well, be safe and be free.